to Season 3 of Seeking Refuge, a podcast sharing the human stories of refugees. This week, we are examining the situation in Venezuela, a country that has traditionally been a welcoming host to refugees, but is now facing a displacement crisis of its own. According to the International Organization of Migration, approximately 5 million people, or 12% of the population, have fled Venezuela to date, and people continue to leave at a rate of about 5,000 people per day. These figures are similar to the numbers we see in Syria and put the situation in Venezuela among the world's biggest recent displacement crises. According to UNHCR, it is the second largest refugee crisis in the world. So, how did Venezuela get here? It's a complicated situation, but bear with us as we go back to the beginning. Much of Venezuela's national revenue comes from oil, and in the late 1990s, oil production soared. Hugo Chavez, who was president of Venezuela at the time, used their revenues to fund a large number of social programs aimed at addressing social inequality. While these programs significantly reduced poverty rates, they increased dependence on oil. In 2014, oil prices fell, and with them went the Venezuelan economy. At the same time, President Nicolas Maduro, Chavez's hand-picked successor, began to consolidate power. He arrested political opponents, detained journalists, and in 2017, he took away the powers of Venezuela's National Assembly. Maduro was re-elected in 2018, but the election was extremely controversial and the opposition leader Juan Guaido declared himself interim president in 2019. Today, the political situation is still unclear, and economically, the country is still suffering. An estimated 9 out of every 10 Venezuelans live in poverty. Venezuelans deal with hunger, constantly inflating prices, and a lack of medical care to treat preventable diseases, in addition to rampant violence and gang warfare. Today. We are speaking with Venezuelan psychologist David Marin Cabrera, a Venezuelan refugee who is providing counseling to other displaced Venezuelans in Peru. Your host for this week is Aidan Thomason. venezolano, eh, con dos años aquí en, en Cusco, en general en Perú, dos años. How's this week's guest, David Marín Cabrera, talking to me about who he is and how he got to Peru? Our interview was conducted entirely in Spanish, so this episode is going to sound a little different. I'm going to tell you guys what we talked about and tell you David's story, staying as close to his words as I can. David is a Venezuelan psychologist who now lives in Peru with his wife and two young children. He's been offering counseling to other Venezuelans in Cusco, where he now lives, because he saw many other Venezuelans in the streets and going through hard times. He said he decided to talk with them and listen to what was needed. He knew it was part of his job to lend them a hand and tell them they went through what he went through by having to move to Peru because of the Venezuelan community there. Bueno, una situación que ya trae años, eh, tiene que ver principalmente I asked David to explain what's going on in Venezuela from his perspective, since I know a lot of Americans, and I imagine people in other countries too, don't know that much about the crisis in the country. He said that people have to understand that everything that's been going on has been building for the last couple of years. Many people say the collapse in the economy and the political situation is the result of one person, the leader of the government, but in reality, it's an accumulation of the actions of several people who were put in power in Venezuela. On top of that, the international relations that were supposed to help also brought in more problems. David said it's a lot for one country to handle. Next, I asked David when he and his family had to leave Venezuela and why. 
llegué en, el, en junio, en mayo del 2018, llegué. Y estuve 15 días en Lima. Y bueno, no me pude adaptar en esos 15 días a Lima, así que... He came in May or June of 2018, spent 15 days in Lima, the capital of Peru, and then moved to a small town called Pisac, right outside of Cusco. He lived there for a year and has now been in Cusco for a little over a year as well. David came to Cusco because a door opened for him on a great opportunity to use his profession to help others in his position. He told me that he went through the streets and saw many Venezuelans asking for money. There was a black cloud of pessimism around them. He could just walk around and make eye contact, and no words needed to be spoken to recognize that they were also Venezuelan. Going through all of these hardships and changes and coming to a new country is a very difficult transition, David said. He knew because of his training as a psychologist that he felt responsible because he knew he could provide the help people needed. I wondered if there were other people in Peru trying to help the Venezuelan refugees there. According to David, there are many local and international groups trying to organize activities to help with things like intercultural exchange and personal and economic development. The COVID-19 pandemic complicated things and interrupted the rhythm they had built. They're now reorganizing and trying to adapt and use the internet to continue what they were doing before. David said that one group of particular focus among those helping displaced Venezuelans is women. They had several meetings like these before the pandemic hit, which kind of left things up in the air, until now. The week before David and I spoke on the phone, he had a meeting with a group of Venezuelan women who are working on personal development and the liberation of migration rights. Next, I asked David about the effects of tending to mental health on the well-being of the Venezuelan community in Peru. To start answering the question, he backtracked to explain further the daily situation Venezuelans were facing. He said, a lot of Venezuelans don't intend on staying in Peru. They were planning only on staying for a short while, and the majority of Venezuelans who fled did so out of desperation. In David's case, he didn't want to leave. He has a family and two little kids and one older son who stayed behind. David didn't want to leave, but when they decided to go, had already lost 17 kilos, which for our American listeners is about 37 pounds. Because of the economic collapse in Venezuela, you can go buy something one day, and the next day it could be double the price. You can't even plan for the cost of food. David's children even started losing weight. David's story isn't magical. He knows stories of Venezuelans walking to Peru, which for our listeners who might not know, requires crossing through Colombia entirely, a distance of around a thousand miles depending on where you travel specifically. David's situation was different than most because he had patients who would fly into Venezuela for therapy and then would stay in contact with him. One of them wanted to help his family and found connections for them to leave Venezuela. Even though David is poor like almost all Venezuelans, he was able to arrive by plane in Peru. He said it was a blessing, but his heart goes out to those who didn't have as easy of a trip as his family did. A lot of Venezuelans came to Peru with nothing. According to David, Venezuelans are normally very happy and expressive, but they were in a situation with a high level of violence. 
Then with the violence and the anger from having to leave their home country by obligation, not because they wanted to, and having to leave a lot of things and family connections, those things build a lot of rage inside someone. To leave a city that's used to being together and to leave your country bothered with the government that is in place, the president especially, brings a lot of emotion into the situation. It brings thoughts and emotions that produce a difficult reality for a lot of people. Entonces, bueno, el trabajo estaba un poco centrado en, en cambiar un poco esa emocionalidad, en trabajar un poco el perdón, en, en asumir eh, este movimiento de vida como algo necesario que, bueno, eh, está marcado en el alma de muchos de nosotros. David's job as a psychologist is concentrated on changing that emotionality and having some forgiveness to assume that this move in life that has marked the soul for a lot of Venezuelans is necessary. David said that many have had the opportunity to grow because of their experience and talk to people like psychologists that can open those doors for them. Counselors are helping Venezuelans as much as they can, according to David, but many people have had incredibly difficult circumstances. There's a group of Venezuelans interested in deciphering what's happening, why they are in Peru. They are grappling with questions like, why do they try to blow me up here and discriminate against me over there? David says that there are some that honestly want to know in their hearts, and those that participate in this group want personal growth in the midst of their situation. And, David said, there are some that are focused on having money to be able to eat that day. There are two very distinct mentalities among Venezuelans, one of struggling to understand what has happened to them and why, and the other of subsistence, of struggling to find the food you need daily and maintain your family. David wants Venezuelans to stay optimistic and grateful for what they do have, because that brings more blessings during any situation. After talking about the mental struggles of Venezuelans, David and I switched gears a little bit to talk about how the international community can help Venezuelans and what is being done already. He is in contact with several organizations and before the pandemic was connected to a lot of delegates that work with NGOs that are helping. But David says Venezuelans need people in higher positions and people with more money and good hearts who want to truly help out. Some have been able already to help with basic things like food that are very fundamental. They have urgent needs to be filled. But David also sees some broader, more important things that they could give people, like psychologists, so the Venezuelan people can open themselves up and register what's going on around them to help them get rid of some of the fear. De poder superar el miedo, porque verdaderamente sí da mucho miedo salir y sobre todo salir así sin un plan, salir, salir y al día siguiente tener que buscar trabajo para poder comer ese día y bueno mira. There's a lot of fear out there for Venezuelans. There's a fear of going out and finding a job so you can eat that day. Venezuelans have struggled to get past the petroleum crisis, which is one of the many things that hasn't allowed them to keep developing. David says it's been difficult because they've had to transform their pride. A lot of Venezuelans like David are libertadores, and like the men who fought for their independence, they push forward and are now in a situation where they need to be grateful for the little and the plenty and be grateful that they can share things with a different culture. David always says in his counseling meetings that Peruvians and Venezuelans speak Spanish and have the language as a common point. La verdad es que los malentendidos eh, son muy comunes. Eh, hay algo ahí que, que a veces pues, no nos deja entendernos bien, ¿no? But, David says, the truth is misunderstandings are still very common, despite the language. There's something there that sometimes doesn't let them understand each other well. Sometimes David gets in a taxi and gives them an address, and they end up taking him somewhere completely different. So 
So, David says, the best he thinks the international community can do to help Venezuela and the Venezuelan community is to help them learn how to fish, not just to give them the fish. In some cases, the international community should because in reality, there are some alarming cases that need it. But David feels the vision of focusing solely on giving resources to eat or to dress is too basic and is only a warm towel, as he put it. The remedy needs to be oriented around receiving support, which is most of the help that they've gotten, which is great, but there is more to be done. They need people that can be productive because during these times, it is important that Venezuelans have the potential to develop themselves. Simply providing food, while it might be immediately necessary, won't fix the problem in the long run. David says the pandemic has caused an adaptation. The world is moving more online, and he's been able to meet with a lot of groups and even some other Venezuelans in Cusco that understand the needs and the demands of these times. They've been able to innovate the culture and products from their culture to help adapt. They're able to breathe and say, here's food for the week, and they're not necessarily out of the woods, but they're not as desperate. There are a lot of people that have come out and put in the work and earned it. So essentially, the role of the international community, as David sees it, is to provide help when needed, but not to keep Venezuelans in a state of being cared for. They want to be productive and work for themselves, but they need some help to get there. Towards the end of our conversation, I asked David what the impact the COVID-19 pandemic has had on the Venezuelan community in Peru. He said that it has limited their resources and created a lot of obstacles. The conversation is very different than what it is in America because of their resources. They can't always social distance in the same ways that we can. David said that a lot of Venezuelans who fled by walking have returned because of the pandemic. However, David said, it has also created an opportunity in some ways because many jobs that are usually filled by native Peruvians have opened up and they need to make money to subsist in Peru. Before David and I hung up, I asked if he had any parting thoughts to share. He told us to remember that there are a large number of Venezuelan refugees in Cusco and in other places in Peru, including his family. David also reminded me that Venezuelans need support that will lead to them supporting themselves in their own lives. He says there are a lot of thoughts and emotions tied up in the experiences of Venezuelans who had to flee, and a lot of those things need to be worked through. There are also a lot of ways to help, like the activities he carries out that help Venezuelans process their experiences. Things like that can help improve the lives of the people in the neighborhood who have come from Venezuela's political state and tried to leave because they didn't have anything to eat and because of other obstacles. David also hopes that more people will understand that people in his part of the world have had to flee extreme circumstances. He hopes that more people internationally will bring attention to the situation in Venezuela so that change can be made. Bien, bien. Gracias a ustedes. Y bueno, ahí seguimos en Coming away from this conversation with David, I was almost speechless, both with the magnitude of the situation that he described and by his optimism and commitment to help using his skills as a psychologist. Trauma is such a huge issue among refugees, and it was amazing to hear how David and others are using their own experiences to help them aid others who are in the same situation. Hearing stories like David's always makes me think about how much we don't know about what is happening in other places. Venezuela is almost never in the news in the U.S., and when it is, it's usually talking about what's happening within their government. We almost never hear about the extreme poverty, hunger, and violence that millions of Venezuelans face daily. Going forward, I am going to remember what David said, that as an international audience, our responsibility for the people of Venezuela is to be aware of what is happening and to call for change from those in power around us that might help resolve the situation in Venezuela, to offer help to the Venezuelan people when they need it, and to assist them as they find long-term solutions to the situation they've been forced into. That was David Marin Cabrera talking to us about his experience as a refugee and his work providing counseling to other refugees in Peru. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us in the comments below. If you'd like to get in touch with us, email us at seekingrefugepodcast at gmail.com. Follow us at Refuge Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook for all the updates on our show. 
As always, a huge thank you to Maxi International House for making our show possible. This week, a special thank you to Andy Betancourt for her help translating. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next one.